great to be together. It's good to see you. Um, and uh, we, we're just thankful just to see one another in the time of, of, of sickness and people have been affected by this virus and certainly we, we care for them, we pray for them, that they become better. But it's good to assemble this morning together as God's family to give him worship, to give him honor and glory. We see a neat thing happen kind of within this scene here that we're going to talk about this morning with Isaiah. And I want to read verses um, 1 through 8 just to introduce our thoughts this morning of what happens here with Isaiah. And it says, beginning in verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 6, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the voice was filled with smoke. Uh, and the house was filled with smoke. And so, so I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it, and said, behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And we have just in this passage here, uh, one of the most significant things and events that happens in the life of Isaiah. And so we find Isaiah, he's called to be a prophet of the Lord here at, on this occasion. He sees this Lord, he sees the Lord, he's there sitting on his throne and the angels, they're there worshiping, they're there proclaiming the glory of the Lord. And I love this scene as it's painted for us, there's the Lord, he's high, he's lifted up, showing his holiness, he's showing his reign. He's pictured here as being higher than any other thing. And the angels, they're there proclaiming that the whole earth is full of his glory. And certainly it is. And you see a similar praise that's happening when you go to the book of Revelations. Revelations chapter 5. But on a grander scale with an innumerable, uh, innumerable host of angels that are gathered there in that particular scene that John is witnessing and uh, there are uh, angels gathered around Jesus proclaiming his glory and honor. And when you, it's a blessing to be able to see scenes like this in scripture and just a glimpse of what's beyond and how great it's really going to be to be with the Lord and to worship him. Seeing the majesty and the holiness of the Lord with Isaiah here. Seeing how great he is, Isaiah acknowledged, I'm a nobody. 
I'm a sinner. I'm unclean. I am undone. He saw himself as unworthy here in the context as he's standing before the Lord. And that's how we might see ourselves sometimes as we might picture ourselves before the Lord because we're, un we're really unworthy. We are unworthy to be in his presence. We are unworthy to even be called his children. And the reason for that is because of the sin in our lives compared to the holiness of God. That causes us to put things in such a perspective. But here in Isaiah, when you look at what happens, one of these seraphim, one of these angels, flew over to Isaiah, touched his lips with the hot coal from the altar, and proclaimed, your iniquity, your sins, have been taken away. You've been forgiven. And perhaps, maybe this made Isaiah feel better. Maybe it gave him a boost of confidence, seeing that his sins had been Forgiven after considering himself not to be worthy, uh, a sinner before the Lord, now forgiven. And having understood that, and the Lord now asking a question, whom shall I send and who will go for us? It seems to me from the response here that Isaiah did not skip a beat. He was ready. Having the understanding of what the Lord had done for him, saying, I'm going to go for you. Here am I, send me. I want to do what your will is. I want to be sent forth to live a life for you and to proclaim, uh, uh, to proclaim you to other people. And maybe, I don't know, put yourself there in Isaiah's shoes there for a moment. I mean, how would you respond seeing what great thing that the Lord has done for you. How would you respond? Would there be the type of excitement that Isaiah shows here to be able to go and be a servant? Maybe, perhaps, would you be hesitant? Maybe considering the dedication it's going to take, the time, the, the sacrifices, that might be involved. So you can have mixed responses here. But Isaiah, Isaiah is willing to be sent. You know, when we talk about being sent, I'm not really talking about being sent to a foreign place. Of course, we send some of our brethren to work in foreign lands or to foreign places, and they do great work there. And churches are are being established, churches are being strengthened because of the dedication of, of men and families that, that go. But maybe being sent to our neighborhood, maybe being sent to the people who are around you at work or around you at school. Is there fear? Is there hesitance? Are we as eager or not as eager as Isaiah to be sent? Well, let me discuss just briefly this morning just a few, uh, a few things that might hinder us from having the type of attitude that Isaiah had within this context here. And I want to, first of all, talk about Moses. Moses being an example of really what not to do. 
And Moses, he was kind of in a similar situation where God wanted him. He wanted him to, to speak to Pharaoh so that his people could be set free. But Moses wasn't quite so eager to do just that. In fact, you remember that God was speaking to Moses. He appeared to him through the burning bush. And God had this to say to him in Exodus chapter 3. Verse number 10, it says, Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, based upon what the Lord wanted for wanted uh, Moses to do, or, uh, he wasn't quite excited about that because he responds this way in verse number 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. And so the first excuse that Moses gives is that he didn't feel worthy enough to fulfill this task, or maybe he didn't think he was the right man for the job. And when you look at Isaiah, yes, he did not consider himself to be worthy, or yet he, he was still willing to obey the Lord, though, with Isaiah. And maybe... Maybe we could feel like that at times. Maybe we think that there's someone else who is perhaps more adequate to share the gospel with others than maybe myself. But when we begin to doubt in ourselves, then we, we're never going to carry out what God wants us to do then. Yes, we might not be worthy to tell of the greatness of a Savior who saved mankind, but God wants us to tell of the truth of the scriptures. He wants us to tell of the good news. And the reason why he wants us to do that is he, be, he desires everybody to be saved. Everybody. There's another excuse that Moses gives to God. And we'll continue on now in Exodus chapter 3. Now in verses 12 and 13. It says, So he said, I will certainly be with you. The Lord is assuring Moses, don't worry. I'm going to be with you when this happens, when I send you out to Pharaoh. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? So here is excuse number two from Moses. That he wouldn't know what to say after being sent. He was afraid that he wouldn't have all the answers if Pharaoh resisted. I'll let you in on a little secret. We don't know everything. And we don't have to know everything. It is okay to say, I don't know. It is okay. I say this all the time when, in my profession, talking to people with their computer problems. Some things I really don't know. But Google is my friend. And Google will tell me. And people are good with with you telling them, I don't know, because you get back with an answer. But honesty plays an important part 
in this. And so you could take the same approach with others. If, if, if they ask you a question regarding a belief, if they ask you a question regarding maybe a scripture or a particular passage that you don't have the answer, uh, answer to, it's okay to say, well, I don't know, but I'll tell you what. Let me get back to you on this. Let me go home, let me study this, and I'll get back to you on this. And people are okay with that. In fact, what it does, it sets up a study, or it sets up another study with them. And so you're able to discuss that. Maybe even more things could come up uh, uh, through the Bible study. People appreciate honesty. And the reality is we can't know everything. We really can't. Sometimes it does take studying to find the answer, but we should never be afraid to be sent because we might not know what to say or we might not have all the answers. And that's what Moses is trying to do here. He used another excuse. Let's go to Exodus chapter 4, <coughs> verses 10 through 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent neither before, uh, before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Or who, has made, or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. So, a third excuse that Moses gives here is that I am not really a good speaker. I am not a good presenter. I'm not going to be very effective with Pharaoh. I am really the, not the right guy for the job. Some, maybe we get tongue-tied sometimes when we're nervous or afraid. We might forget what to say. No one is perfect. And very few of us have just the right things to say. But I like what Paul wrote about this when he referred to himself presenting the gospel. And this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. But he says, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I think there's a key when Paul is saying this to these brethren here. He wasn't worried about being an eloquent speaker among people or among the brethren. All he was concerned about was the message. And that message was Jesus. And really that should be our, our focus. That should be our attitude. Just share the good news about Jesus and, and the truth on the scriptures. And don't worry about how good or not good you are in relaying information to other people. The message is going to shine through whatever you say. It's about the message and not the messenger. And lastly, Moses, he pleaded this with God. In Exodus chapter 4 and verse 13. But he said, Oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may sin. And after all the excuses that he gave God, Moses simply asked God, Please just find somebody else. 
He tried to talk his way out of it. He was convinced he was not the man for the job. But we can look at what Moses did before the Lord and say, let's not be like that. Let's not give those types of excuses when it comes to our own individual responsibilities and sharing God's word and proclaiming it. Let's not reason or try to convince ourselves that we're not able to do it or we are not the person to do just that. Let others do it. You know how God felt after Moses gave these excuses or said these things to him? When you look at the next verse in verse number 14, it tells us that God was angry at Moses for offering all these excuses for trying to get out of his duty. God was mad. We don't want the Lord mad at us. We don't want the Lord disappointed at us because we would rather have someone else do it and not take on that responsibility. So after seeing really what not to do when we're called, I want to take a look back at Isaiah and see what motivated and drove him to be so willing to answer that call from the Lord. You know, when you consider how Isaiah reacted to the, the vision at first being unworthy to be for, before the Lord, it is remarkable as to why Isaiah was so willing to be a messenger of God. And I believe it was a reaction on Isaiah's part to the event that his sins in general had been taken away and his iniquity was removed as well. And so he understood what the Lord had done for him. He had that realization of what the Lord had done for him and he was willing then to devote his service to the Lord because of the mercy and because of the grace that had been shown to him by the Lord when he didn't deserve it. And in that same light, we are so many years removed from Isaiah, but we read in Scripture, the Messiah, Jesus himself, came to this world he lived as a man who was free from sin. He died on the cross. He was buried and was resurrected from the dead on the third day. And we find that the reason why all this happened, why Jesus went through all these things, was for me. It was for you. It was for the whole world to have their sins washed away. It was a way for God to extend his love and mercy and grace upon people. And I know you know that. But to know it to the point to drive you and to put it forth into action and to be excited about it as Isaiah was excited about the mercy and the forgiveness that he had received, to be willing to be sent out, and for us to have that same drive. The psalm, uh, upon this realization that prompts us to obey the gospel and become a servant of the Lord is what happened with, uh, or that's exactly the case with Isaiah. With it, he, he had been forgiven, wanted to be that servant. I, I love what, what, what uh, David wrote regarding Psalm 51. 
And I want to read verses 10 through 15 here. And it really, I love looking into David's heart when he writes these psalms because we relate. We can relate in one way or another, no matter who reads this, his psalms. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He says, do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. I love verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. As David wrote here, we are to be a people who are, be, who are willing to be sent in order that those who are lost might hear the saving message of the cross. For again, he says here, I will teach transgressors your ways. Sinners shall be converted to you. And that's a great, great opportunity. For every one of us to do that, we have a chance to let others know that Jesus died for them so that their sins would be forgiven as our sins had been for, have been forgiven. They could be saved as Jesus has given us that opportunity to be saved in eternity in heaven. And so having this realization now, I know we've heard it over and over and over about the glorious, the, the good news of Jesus Christ, how great the, the, the Lord is that he is able to, to save us, that he even wants us to be his children. Having understood that compared to what we once were or what we would be without him, having that drive now, that zeal that Isaiah had along with the rest of God's messengers. You know, you had the apostles you read what they went through in the book of Acts. Those people knew what it meant to be saved. Those people knew of the cost. But they were so thankful for what the Lord had done for them. And it drove them to many trials. Persecutions. Many threats. To not preach that message. They still proclaimed it though. They still proclaimed the message of the cross because to them it was a joy. To them it was a blessing. To them it was, it was a privilege. And the scripture says they did it. They 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 found this blessing to be found worthy to save others because of the truth of the gospel. Telling others about the saving power of Jesus, and it, it really shouldn't be embarrassing to us, it should not be difficult to us, but to count it a blessing and a privilege that for one thing, we ourselves have been saved, but also others can receive that same grace and mercy that God has shown. And so Isaiah he was ready. Isaiah was willing to proclaim the commandments of the Lord. The apostles, they devoted their lives to saving souls. And in retrospect, 
to all those who have dedicated their lives to telling the world of the saving power of Jesus, we should be a people to preach the truth and to stand up for the truth and not be ashamed of the truth. There's an old song that we have sung through the years. I love to tell the story. Twill be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Is that your attitude? Is that your drive? To love to tell the story. It should be if it's not. We're in a new year. New year brings new resolutions, new goals for people. If you're one of those individuals that sets goals or sets resolutions, perhaps this could be one of them. If maybe, or maybe to strengthen it, or maybe if you haven't done so, resolve to do that. Resolve to do that. Precious souls need to know the truth. We needed to know it and we've been saved by it. Why not share it? Why not? And so let us always have the drive, always have the attitude of here am I. Send me. Send me. And I hope that through our study this morning, that maybe, maybe renew a, a spirit within you, maybe challenge you, whatever it is, I hope that you've been edified through the teaching of the word this morning and that God has been glorified through our teaching as well with the study of his word. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.